Welcome to another episode of Weeds in the Wild, our pop-up podcast about how policy affects real live people. We are going to get started with the episode in just a moment, but a quick programming note. We have an awesome new job opening on Weeds in the Wild. We are looking for an editor to join us for the next few months and really help us kind of take our narrative podcasting skills to the next level. If that is you, if you are someone who's interested, look at voxmedia.com careers for more information. That is voxmedia.com careers. Okay, now to the actual episode. Last month, my producer Bird and I went to Knoxville, Tennessee. So like, just indicate to me, like, would you be able to eat these peanut butter pretzels? That's why I was just looking. Carrie Reed is walking us through a grocery store, and she's making this list of all the things she can't eat. This would probably be a no list because I'm not exactly sure what kind of flour it is. And it's not just specific flours that she's allergic to. Avocados, apple cider vinegar, onions react to me, tomatoes react to me, cheese, of course, wants lactose. Even water. Carrie's actually allergic to nearly every kind of water. She can only drink this really expensive, super filtered kind. Our list is growing really fast. Nuts. I can't do a lot of nuts. Bad. (laughs) At first, Carrie has all these jokes and we're having fun in the supermarket, but 15 minutes in, it's clear she's really slowing down. Is there anything else you need? I don't want to make you wander through the I know. Can you tell me? I'm starting to get pained. Carrie is smiling, but the back of her neck is just soaked with sweat. Part of it is like bumblebee stings. It's like the lumps pressing on my nerves and my muscles are like starting to shake. So you should should stop. No, it's, it's fine. No, I mean, I don't. This is reality. This is reality for Carrie because she has four really rare diseases that interact with each other in all sorts of ways. They cause all these allergies. They cause intense pain. The diseases have changed her life. They've changed her kid's life. They've even changed her job. But until now, she's been able to manage them because she has health insurance through Obamacare. I had Blue Cross Blue Shield in 2014, same in 2015. Which means that in 2014 and 2015, Carrie went on healthcare.gov and she chose a Blue Cross plan. But then going into 2016... Blue Cross Blue Shield left the marketplace, so I switched to United. But then United left the marketplace too. So Carrie switched to the last remaining insurance company, Humana. And of course, Humana is pulling out of this area next year. And I've talked to insurance companies and nobody's offering something for someone like me. And so right now, there's no insurance choices for me. This was a huge problem for Carrie when we visited her in April, and it was starting to get way, way bigger than Tennessee. Here's Paul Ryan, the Republican Speaker of the House. Just this week, we learned of another state, Iowa, where the last remaining health care plan is pulling out of 94 of their 99 counties. How do you look in the faces of 94 counties in Iowa? That is Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Republican legislators keep talking about these coverage problem areas to explain why they had to pass a health care bill through the House. What kind of protection is Obamacare if there are no plans to choose from? How do you care for pre-existing conditions when there's no care at all? The truth is, this law has failed and it is collapsing. On this episode of Weeds in the Wild, we are in Tennessee to understand what is happening to the Obamacare marketplaces, if they are in fact collapsing, and what that means for the country's health care. Let's start with the really big, confusing question here. How did Tennessee get this giant bald spot in the middle of its insurance market? 
when you look at what makes a market work versus not work, there's no one answer to that, unfortunately. This is Sabrina Corlett. She studies the American health insurance market at Georgetown University, and she agreed to get super nerdy with me. Are you kidding, Sarah? Like, I can honestly think of literally nothing I would rather do <laughs> than talk healthcare policy with you. Tennessee healthcare policy. Tennessee healthcare policy. So, Sabrina has been studying Tennessee, and she identified three big causes for that bald spot. There is the policy on the state level, the policy on the federal level, and then there is plain, boring geography. The truth is, rural areas have always had problems attracting competition. Rural areas tend to be sparsely populated. The people that live there aren't especially healthy. So it's really hard to get a health insurance company jazzed about covering those parts of the country. Tennessee, meanwhile, wasn't really helping the situation. The state leadership sort of took a very anti-ACA stance. So um, the sort of general public awareness of the law was probably not very positive or widespread. We visited some of those rural counties in Tennessee that had no Obamacare insurance companies signed up to sell coverage next year. And the reviews there were not exactly positive. I, I don't like Obamacare. I don't think it's where it's need to be. We got lied to from the very first. Your insurance wouldn't go up. You could keep your doctor. I was happy enough with what I had. It will implode on itself if they just let it go. When I looked into it, it looked like the penalty would be cheaper than paying for it every single month. I want to take a closer look at a few of these answers because they actually help explain why Tennessee has such a problem. First, let's look at David Walker. He's the guy who said, I was happy enough with what I had. David had a health insurance plan that he bought way before Obamacare took effect. And he was able to keep that plan because of a now very infamous promise that Obama made to voters like David. If you like your current plan, you will be able to keep it. Let me repeat that. If you like your plan, you'll be able to keep it. Before Obamacare, insurance companies could do all sorts of things to keep their premiums really cheap. They could simply not offer coverage to sick people or not cover expensive benefits like maternity care or mental health services. Obamacare included a provision that grandfathered in those plans for people who already had them. That meant a healthy person like David just kept his cheap non-Obamacare plan. And there were other healthy people that weren't even buying health insurance at all. That includes Damon Archer. You also heard him a little bit earlier, saying it was way cheaper to pay the penalty rather than buy a health insurance plan. I think the best I found was like 120 a month. The cheapest health insurance plan you could find cost $120 each month. So you're looking at $1,200 a year versus the 600 in the penalty. The Obama administration made a choice years ago to keep the penalty for not buying insurance really low. And this was mostly a political decision. They already knew that the individual mandate was really unpopular. They didn't want to make people even more angry with a giant fine. Healthy people like Damon, they did the math and they decided it was cheaper to go without insurance. I'm not an actuary, but that's got to have an effect on the overall risk pool that's inside the exchange. And that would make it a less desirable place for other insurers. I can't imagine that it makes it a more desirable place. <laughs> and I'll just put it that way. The big reason insurance companies are quitting Obamacare is because they have too many sick carries and not enough healthy Damons and Davids joining the marketplace. Part of that is what we've talked about already, the real flaws that exist in Obamacare. But part of it is also a story about Republicans obstructing Obamacare, making it work a lot less well. And we're going to dive into that right after the break. 
If you are a policy geek who also likes to binge watch Netflix, we have a great podcast you should check out. My colleague Todd Vanderwerf hosts the show I Think You're Interesting, where he just interviewed the co-creator of Master of None, Alan Yang. It's a super interesting interview if you are someone like me who recently binge-watched Master of None. Alan talks a lot about how they made the series. He has this fascinating behind-the-scenes look at how they use a lot of non-actors on the show and kind of what it's like having people really act for the first time on this kind of show with a pretty big audience at this point. So if you are looking for a break from policy coverage, definitely check out Todd's podcast. I think you're interesting. Check out the interview with Alan. I think you will really enjoy it. This is not the first time all the health insurance plans have threatened to pull out of an Obamacare market. It actually happened in 2016, during the Obama administration. Health insurance company Aetna has announced that it is pulling out of Arizona starting next year. It follows the exits of United Healthcare and Humana, leaving one Arizona county near Phoenix without any insurers offering Obamacare. But the federal government, it used to have a guy. My name is Kevin Cunahan. Um, I was CEO of healthcare.gov and oversaw the federal and state exchanges uh, in the Obama administration. And Kevin, he made this promise. We will not have Bear counties going into 2017. And so I was asked, how are you going to assure that? And I said, I don't know yet, but I will tell you that we will find a way. I covered this last year and I remember it being like really dramatic, like this fight to keep Obamacare alive or that's how I pictured it. And Kevin tells me it actually really was like that. It ended up becoming very much on the ground. I literally went to every market where we were at risk. Kevin ended up doing some serious negotiating. I, I felt I was pulling like a Henry Kissinger-esque type of Mideast strategy because there were three plans that were at risk and none of them were going to stay if one of the uh, other two were out. Kevin would go to these places and he would make the case for selling Obamacare, but he was negotiating from this really awkward position because, and this will get a little in the weeds, but stick with me, the Obama administration had made these promises at the beginning of the law that they weren't able to keep. So in the beginning, Obamacare was this huge, wacky policy experiment. It was just full of risks. Nobody knew who was going to sign up for the marketplaces, if people would show up, how sick or healthy they would be. And health insurance companies, if you know one thing about them, they hate risk. The, the business is tough enough because you're setting rates essentially 18 months in advance it's very hard to deal with uncertainty. The people who wrote Obamacare, they were really aware of this problem. They were talking to health insurance companies all the time. So they basically said, we get it. This is risky, but we'll put in some programs that will make sure things don't go totally off the rails. You won't lose your shirt selling Obamacare. They created this program called Risk Corridors. And for the first three years of the rollout, if an insurance company was losing a lot of money, the government would essentially come in and backstop some of those losses. They would guarantee that insurance companies could only lose so much money selling Obamacare. When they passed Obamacare, they put a bailout fund in Obamacare. That's Senator Marco Rubio. He was one of many Republicans who described the risk corridors as the slush fund won by the big insurance lobby. And we led the effort and wiped out that bailout fund. Republicans put this provision in the 2014 budget that really gutted the risk corridor program. I remember getting a phone call from my deputy who said that we would be paying 16 cents on the dollar. I took a deep gulp. So in 2016, Kevin is on this like cross-country road trip telling insurance companies why Obamacare is great. And they're like, why should we trust you? You didn't even give us those risk corridor payments you promised. Our credibility as the government took a hit when those payments were not realized. 
Kevin just remembers being full of anxiety. There's this one moment he told me about after a meeting with a really important insurance company. We were sitting on a curb waiting for an Uber to take us back to the hotel. And it was hot and we were perspiring. And we just looked at each other and said, I don't know this is going to work. But it worked. It worked out. It worked in large part because the Obama administration wanted it to work. They had Kevin. They had their guy. They had people crisscrossing the country telling insurance companies, we are standing behind this law. You have our full support. I've been saying for the last year and a half that the best thing we can do, politically speaking, is let Obamacare explode. It is exploding right now. The Trump administration obviously has a very different take on Obamacare. It's not even clear that Kevin's role has been filled. We don't really know if they have a guy. And as we mentioned earlier, insurers are notoriously risk averse. That's Sabrina again. Um, They're looking at an environment where we don't know what's going to happen. We still have a Congress that's trying to repeal the ACA. We don't know if the Trump administration is going to do anything on outreach, education, keeping the website functioning. I spend a lot of time talking to insurance executives lately, and they are really worried. They don't know if the Trump administration will enforce the individual mandate or keep paying the Obamacare subsidies. It looks like a very uncertain future. So, knock on wood, we won't have any bear counties, but the the later we get in the year, the more likely that gets. So this is my life-saving kind of bag right here. That's Carrie. She's the woman with four rare diseases we met earlier. She is someone who, if nobody came into the Knoxville area, would not have health insurance coverage in 2018. She showed us this Ziploc bag she has. It's one of those big quart-sized ones, and it is full of medications. Zyrtec, Benadryl, Hydroxazine, Zantec. The bag also has her EpiPens and her inhalers and her physical therapy tool, this stick that she showed us. It's a wooden like thing, and it has these little balls on the outside. So I put it up against my arm and push on it, and it helps break up the fluid underneath. Some of this stuff is covered by insurance. Some of it isn't. But the really expensive stuff, like the EpiPens or inhalers, that's what Carrie worries about paying for if she doesn't have health insurance. We're talking over $1,000, you know, just for those. She's also really worried about doctor visits, like the trips to the emergency room she might have to take if she suddenly develops an allergy. One ER visit next year, what, it's going to cost me thousands of dollars, you know? Carrie was preparing to lose her health insurance in a couple of really specific ways. First, she was running these experiments. Like trying and testing everything, you know, for allergic reactions, the different diets to help. She can't go to allergists because in a really terrible and ironic twist, she is actually allergic to the stuff in the shots they use to test for allergies. So Carrie came up with this plan. She would test foods all through 2017 while she still had health insurance to figure out what caused allergic reactions and what didn't. She figured if she needed an EpiPen or an ER visit, she might as well do it while she still had coverage. So we're playing around with canned corn. We're playing around with, like, you know, like tortilla chip corn. The second week in April was corn week. You know, just trying to narrow down what in the corn is affecting me or am I just done with corn? Is it like you take, like, a corn kernel? I'm aware I'm adding something to my diet, but I try not to be hyper-focused on it because I don't want to psychologically psych myself out for it. Carrie has already done this with tomato sauce, a failed experiment, and with pineapple, verdict was still out. She understands that this sounds a little nutty, 
but she's just not sure how else to prepare for life without health insurance. And she's also done some things that are a lot harder than testing out corn and pineapple. She's had to have some pretty difficult conversations with her kids about what would happen if something went really wrong. We do have the conversation, who will you go to? What is the backup plan? You know, what happens? You know, end of life decisions. Her daughter, Sydney, who is 17, told us about these conversations. It's it really scary just because I don't want to think that that's going to happen. And so, like, I try to do everything that I can to help her. I'm just praying that everything's going to be okay. This is how we left the Reed family back in April. We finished up our reporting, went to the airport, came back to D.C. And then in May, the Tennessee Insurance Commissioner made this really important announcement. Today we were informed that Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Tennessee is willing to cover the Knoxville rating area for 2018 with individual health insurance policies. Which means I have coverage now in 2018. (laughs) We called Carrie up that afternoon and she told us about finding this out. Oh my gosh, I just started crying. And then my my son, um, he, he came in, he's like, Mom, what's going on? And I'm like, I told Ethan, I said, oh my gosh, I have coverage in 2018. And he just sat down, he just started crying too. I don't know, it was something about seeing a 15-year-old boy cry, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, but happy tears, just like incredibly happy tears. Now, Blue Cross sent this letter about reentering the Tennessee market, and they said, yes, they're in, but they might back out if Congress changes things, and they might bump up prices a lot. Carrie knows this, but she says it's still a huge relief to have some hope. I've been really, really scared, you know, and so just knowing that I have something now. I don't have to worry about the short term that I can fight for the long term. You know, I'll have access still to my medication. You know, it's just it's just really huge. For Carrie, this is a happy ending. She finally has the security that she will have health insurance in 2018. But there are a lot of less happy endings happening across the country right now. We just learned last week that there will be 25 counties in western Missouri that have zero health insurance companies signed up to sell Obamacare. The local plan there, Blue Cross of Kansas City, announced last Wednesday it would quit the marketplaces. We will likely see more problems like this, too. It will be up to the Trump administration to decide, do they want to fix it or do they want to let Obamacare explode? That was our episode. Thank you so much to my producer, Bert Pinkerton, to our editor, Nishat Kurwa. We had some engineering help on this episode from Peter Leonard. If you want to come talk about the episode, you should definitely join us in our Facebook group. You can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash the weeds. As always, we love to hear your feedback. Um, if you email us at weeds at box.com, Bird will probably send you a delightful note in response. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again soon. <laughs>